Welcome to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. At First Baptist Church, our vision is to be people deeply rooted in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, who then reach out into our neighborhood, city, and the world as we live and share the good news. Here is this week's Rooted and Reaching message from FBC Charlottetown. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Tara May, and I'm the ministry assistant here at First Baptist Church. The title isn't exactly very descriptive, so uh, let me explain a little bit about what my job entails. I do administrative work. I work out of the office three days a week, uh, and I also oversee our connections ministry. So often you'll find me in the foyer on a Sunday morning or answering connect cards. Um, And as of today, I guess my job also includes preaching. So we'll see. (laughs) We'll see if that stays in the job description based on how this morning goes. Well, I'm very nervous. I'm also very pleased to be joining Pam and Sharon, the other women from our ministry staff, as we, uh, in this current series, Hidden Figures. Each week, we'll be looking into a different story of a different woman from the Bible. These may be new-to-you stories, or they could be old stories that are looked at in a new light. The purpose of this series is just to give you the opportunity to learn more about different women from the Bible. The other exciting part of this series is that we're hearing about women from women. Uh, Last week, Sharon shared the story of Mary and Martha, and we were able to look at maybe a familiar story in a new light, learning that worship and service don't need to be opposites. Well, today, I'm going to be looking at someone who may be a new character to some of you, the prophet Huldah. Huldah was a prophet during the reign of King Josiah. During this time, there was a team of workers that were working on the temple, and while they were working there, they discovered a book. It turns out that this is the book of the law, likely what we now know to be the book of Deuteronomy. Hilkiah, the high priest, presents this to King Josiah, who immediately recognizes the value and the worth of this book. He tears his robes out of grief that they have not been following what is outlined in this book. So, they need to do two things here. One, they need to determine the authenticity of this book. Is this for real? Is this what they think it is? And then two, they need to learn what their future holds because they have not been following what is outlined in the book of the law. King Josiah instructed Hilkiah and others to go and visit the prophet Huldah as she was known as a teacher and they trusted her ability to be able to interpret the scriptures. So this is where we pick up in our scripture today. 2 Kings 22, 15 through 20. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me, This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people, according to everything written in the book of the king that Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all their idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire to the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. 
Aren't you glad I chose such a cheery verse for this morning? Uh, But I promise you that we will find beauty in her words by the end of this. But to fully understand her prophecy, we have to actually go back further in time to Moses. After Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt, Yahweh gave to Moses the laws that the people are supposed to follow that will set them apart from the other nations. These writings, what is now known as the book of Deuteronomy today, what also was likely found in the temple later on during the time of King Josiah, um, he gave instructions to people on how to dress, what to eat, how to act justly. Relevant to our story today, there's actually even a section about how kings were supposed to act. This is interesting because Israel was never intended to have a king. Yahweh was intended to be their king. They would have judges and prophets to speak on God's behalf, but they were never intended to have a human king. So why would Moses have a law for kings if they were never supposed to have one? Because God knew. (laughs) God knew that the people would ask for a king to be like all the other nations around them. So God gave Moses specific rules for the kings to follow that are outlined in Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20. It says, He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, taken from that of the Levitical priests, and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites, and turn from the law to the right or to the left. That second part there is significant. He is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, taken from that of the Levitical priests. Understanding the significance of the law, the expectation was that each king would physically hand write out a copy of the book of Deuteronomy so that they would never lose the law. In reality, though, we have no record of this ever being done. There is some speculation that it was done by King David, and that's the copy that could have been found in the temple during the reign of King Josiah. But even if that is the case, that's one king. It was not likely that this task was completed by King Solomon, or Rehoboam, or Abijah, or Asa, or Jehoshaphat, or any of the other 16 kings before Josiah. That is why Josiah grieved. He immediately recognized the significance of the text that had been found. And more than that, he recognized his own failure and the failure of all the kings before him to keep these laws for the people of Israel. They had failed for generations to keep and obey God's word. So for a sermon about Hulda, I've not actually talked that much about her yet. (laughs) And to be honest, it was difficult finding external resources about her. There are plenty of writings using her story uh, in defense of women in ministry, um, which it is a great example of that, but that's not really the purpose of this series. And then there were writings that tried to explain away her role as a prophet because she was a woman, downplaying her role, and I like those ones even less. (laughs) Because Huldah worked as a prophet at the same time as Jeremiah and Zechariah, So if King Josiah didn't want a woman to interpret these scriptures, he didn't have to ask Huldah. He could have asked one of the other two. But the reality here is that Huldah wasn't asked because she was a woman, 
And she certainly wasn't asked in spite of the fact that she was a woman. She was asked to interpret this book because it was recognized that she is an individual who was divinely ordained by God to be a prophet. Full stop. So now that we understand why they went to Holda for help, let's figure out how the prophe- or what the prophecy was all about. As we read before, the news that she gave was not exactly optimistic. Remember how she said, This is what the Lord says, I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people. All the curses written in the book that has been read in the presence of the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all that their hands have made, my anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. These are some difficult passages to reckon with. On the surface, it seems to imply that God is being vengeful. I mean, my anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched is a pretty powerful image. So how do we reconcile this anger? We have to look at everything going on around to understand what's really going on in this passage. They've just discovered the book of the law and recognize that they have been neglecting it for generations. They go to hold it and ask, essentially, what is the result of this? And Hulda doesn't pull any punches here. But she's also not just making things up or exaggerating for effect either. They're asking her to interpret these writings, and with the supernatural knowledge that God has given her, she has determined that these are the natural conclusions of their own actions. This isn't some heinous punishment because God is mad. This is simply the result of how they lived, and Hulda understood that. I love shopping at Ikea. If any of you know me, you know that. There's tons to look at. You can get a little snack or even a whole meal, and you can get reasonably priced furniture. But there's one catch. You have to eventually put that furniture together. Uh, It takes a lot of time, and it takes even more patience. Um, But fortunately, they give you handy step-by-step instructions on how to do that. Well, have you ever tried to build Ikea furniture without the instructions? Sometimes you can figure things out on your own and you can put something together that mostly resembles what you were going for. Sometimes you just end up making a mess of things. And that's what Holda is saying here. You ignored the manual, now you've made a mess of things. You see, Holda recognized, like Moses before her, how crucial the word of God is. Moses set up all these guidelines to ensure that God's word or the law would stay at the center of their lives. Each king was told, write out a copy for yourselves. But now, hundreds of years later, Hold is looking at it and saying, yeah, that didn't happen. So, here's the result. Holda teaches us the importance of keeping God's word at the center of our lives. There was, of course, more to this prophecy, though. In the next verses says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster I am going to bring on this place. Here Hulda is speaking to King Josiah. Remember when he was shown the book initially, he tore his robes out of grief. He immediately recognized what these writings were. And because he expressed his grief and showed humility to God, he also showed his desire to change. So essentially what Holda is saying here is that because you see the significance of this, because you're wanting to change, you will be spared from the consequences. So this teaches us another important lesson about the word of God. 
Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the situation around us, it is our responsibility, but also our opportunity to follow the word of God. This section also gives us a way to verify the substance of what Holder prophesied. In Matthew 1, there's a reference to King Josiah having been spared the exile that took place after his reign. So we can see that what Holder predicted is exactly what ended up happening. So that's the story of Holder. Now that we're familiar with it, we need to look at what it means for us today. It's all good and well for us to understand the story, but we also need to know what it means for us in this place and this time. First and foremost, as I've said before, the lesson that we need to learn here is that God's word is to be at the center of our lives. We already talked about how Moses told the future kings to write the copy of the law, keep it with them, but Moses wasn't the only one who reminded the Israelites of the importance of God's word. Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful. These were God's words to Joshua before he took the Israelites into the promised land. And then later on in the Old Testament, the psalmist wrote, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The key to living life in the way of the Lord is to place the word of the Lord at the center of our lives. Holder reminds us that when we stray from God's word, when we allow it to become secondary, we set ourselves up for failure. But how am I supposed to keep God's word at the center? It's a great thing to say it. It's an easy thing for me to stand up here and say, but how do we do it? Because that's often really hard. Well, this winter at Solid Rock Youth, we spent a few months learning about the Bible. What is it? Why is it important? And how should I interact with it? We were also able to take a few nights to do some practical application of how we should engage with Scripture. One night we practiced something called Lectio Divina, uh, which is Latin for divine reading. This is a really meditative way to engage with Scripture. You read the same passage a few times through, and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into it to reveal its truth. So... When I taught Lectio Divina, we followed five basic steps, or five R's. The first one is to ready yourself, get comfortable, be quiet with your thoughts, and allow the Lord to meet you in this time. Then you read the passage slowly a few times, and listen for any words or phrases that stick out. You then reflect on the passage, read it again, focus on those words or phrases that initially stuck out. You respond after that read it again, and in this moment, allow God to speak to it, speak to you through that passage. And then finally, you rest in God's presence with no words. There are also some really helpful resources out there to help guide you through this practice. One that I really like is called Pray As You Go, um, but even something as simple as an audio Bible could be helpful to you as you try and practice this. We also did one for the more analytical thinkers. Uh, we practice an inductive study. And in this message, you're reading the passage slowly again, but you're almost investigating it. You're maybe incorporating some external resources to learn about a passage. Um, and there are many different ways to engage with an inductive study, but here are some helpful tools that we did at Youth Group this year. 
Look at the background. Who wrote it? To whom? What genre is the writing? What is the context? And then write a paraphrase of the passage to get at the heart of what that passage is really saying. And lastly, record any questions that you have about that passage. And the important part here is to then go back and add the answers once you have found them to keep track of all of the questions that the Lord answers for you. Don't be afraid to incorporate resources while practicing an inductive study as well. Uh, one that I love and that we used often during youth group this winter is the Bible Project. They have videos and apps that explain different biblical topics and theological concepts in a way that's really accessible. So we practiced different things and different methods because different things and different methods work for different people. The ultimately important part is to keep scripture at the center of our lives. Through Holda's words, we can clearly see the consequences when we fail to keep our focus on God's word. But the Bible is also filled with examples of what it looks like when we get it right. The psalmist says that when we meditate on the word of the Lord, we will be like a tree bearing fruit in its season. The Apostle Paul also wrote something about bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. When we meditate on the word of the Lord, it will become evident because you will see peace in our lives. You will see patience in our lives. You will see kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. While Hulda shared the reality of what it looks like when we get it wrong, there are others that share the beauty of what it looks like when we get it right. So that's the story of Hulda, a prophet, a mighty woman of faith, and it was because of her wisdom that King Josiah was able to learn to be faithful to the word of God. And her story teaches us that same lesson today. I talked about the fruit of the Spirit because those fruit are evidence of the times when we do manage to remain faithful to Scripture, both in the things that we say and the things that we do. I also talked about resources like Lectio Divina and Inductive Study because those are just a couple of ways that we can make room for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Hulda has taught us two important lessons that we have been able to reinforce this morning. One is that we need to be the people whose lives are centered on the Word of God so that we don't ever come to a place where we do not recognize God's Word when we are confronted with it. And the second is we need to be a people whose lives are centered on the Word of God so that we can help bring others to a place where their lives also become centered on the Word of God. Let me pray for us for a moment. Lord, we praise you for your Word, for the truth and the goodness that is found within it. We thank you for being here this morning with us, and we just pray that you would fill us with your word, that you would fill us with your spirit so that we have the ability to keep your word at the center of our lives. Amen. You've been listening to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a weekly ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. Our theme music is inspired by Ben Sound. For more information or to support the ministries of FBC Charlottetown, please visit our website, myfbc.ca today. If you found the content of today's podcast encouraging, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and drop us a comment. 
In addition, consider sharing today's Rooted and Reaching podcast with at least one other person this week who might be blessed through it or become better biblically rooted through it. Until next time, thank you for listening.